But friends, what a privilege to be here together. What a privilege to be in a place where, where we have God as the, the one who looks at us as a church. And we as a church just say, Father, what can we do to hear your voice and to, and to honor you, to reflect you? Friends, the purpose of church is to worship God and, ref- and to reflect Him to the world. It's a phenomenal phrase. The purpose of church is to worship God and to reflect Him to the world. And I want to speak to you this morning about an aspect of our relationship with God, an aspect of God's relationship with you, or how He treats us as children. And uh, But before I go there, just... Um, and I just want to honor you guys. Christian and Riza, they're from our Pretoria church. Boom. Christian and Riza from our Pretoria church. They're actually the church that planted us in, in Nelspruit. And Christian is um, one, of, one, of our, one of our ministers there, one of our pastors there. Riza, incredible couple. And uh, just honor you guys. Thanks for, they're on holiday and they decided, man, on holiday we're going to come to church. And I really, I, I honor you for, for your love for God. For sure. And for your love for the body. Yes. Okwaha, he's a good friend for me. And I really, I really honor you. I love you. And I'm glad that you guys are married now. You look so much better with a wife. Right. Um, but welcome with us. Welcome with us. And please send the church in Pretoria our love. And we're looking forward to, to times together. When, when I talk about relationships, when I talk about people that, that walked with you and, and that defined you. Friends, and uh, Linda, Linda read me a little quote and as we on relationships, I, you know, there's this place where we heard someone write a little blurb on Facebook and she said that uh, people got saved because of the faith of their friends and we say that relationships don't matter. People got healed because of the faith that is in their friends and we sometimes deal with relationships as if they don't matter. They matter a lot. Sure. God will work through relationships. We just come out of a time where we looked for six weeks, we looked at God's character. And if you missed those sermons, all of those sermons are online. But the whole idea for us as a church to pause and to say, who is this God that we're serving? Friends, it is key. Because your relationship with God is defined by what you think of Him. It was a powerful time. We've had some of the best sermons preached. Luan, Linda, who else preached? Um, I preached, but, <laughs> but their sermons was really good. But, um, but friends, when we look at God, we, we, we get to a place where we are filled with awe. And we are stirred into worship. If you see this God that we're serving, and it's expressed so well in Acts 4 verse 13, and you know, it just talks about Peter and John, and it talks about the, the persecuted church, how... The church was resisted and then it says how the Pharisees saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Friends, a moment in God's presence impacts the way that you live your life. It impacts the boldness that you have. When we, when we touch God, God lifts the fear and He induces us with faith. And that's one thing that the devil cannot understand. The devil cannot understand faith in the presence of suffering. When you are going through things that you don't understand, when, when people ask you to do things that is contrary to the culture of this world, because in this world it's all about me. 
in COVID, it's I'm under lockdown and I must protect myself. I must protect my bank account. I must protect my investments. I must move things around that I will be okay. I heard of a new hashtag. Ah, I'm not cool enough. I don't even know how hashtags work. <laughs> but the hashtag, and as I understand, it originated in the church world and it says, I choose me. That's quite a sad little hashtag. Because if you wrap yourself up in yourself, you make it quite a small package. Alright, it's weird. You turn yourself inside out and you're just this little blob. Friends, and God's plan for us is, is different. And when we see God, and when, when God's character and His personality pulls you towards action, it is not religious obedience that draws you to action. It is worship. When you see God and you are stirred to worship, Something happens in you and all of a sudden everything that you classify as obedience and I have to, when it turns to worship, it starts bringing life. But when it's just obedience, it is just tiring and it, it weighs you down. A moment in God's presence. I was reminded of a time in Pretoria, we had a, we had a citywide gathering and one of my good friends was leading praise and worship. And he was just leading, and everyone was just enthralled with incredible worship. And it, just, it was just a moment of quiet, and all of a sudden, you know, it was almost as if people didn't know where to go. You know, what now? What now? And he just started singing, oh, come let us adore him. And all of a sudden, sense came into the church. It was one of the moments where I experienced the Holy Spirit like never before. When God is put in place, and my obedience becomes worship things make sense and i want to talk to you about that i want to talk to you about the devil's strategy and i want to read you a little a little quote listen if you want to be if you want to be messed up you need aw tozer you need to read some of his books aw tozer and this is listen to why i'm reading this you're going to learn something it is the devil's business to keep the christian's spirit imprisoned listen to me it is the devil's work to keep the Christian's spirit imprisoned. The believer, the person who's given their lives to Jesus. Satan works very hard to keep the believer bound and gagged, imprisoned in our own grave clothes. Now we know that he's talking about Lazarus here. If we continue in this kind of bondage, we will never be able to claim our spiritual, our rightful spiritual heritage. Okay, If we live in this type of bondage, we will never be able to claim our spiritual heritage. God has got a heritage and an inheritance for you in the city. Okay, And if the devil succeeds in his strategy, he's going to keep you from that. In this type of enslavement, we are no better off than when we were spiritually dead. Alright, now we are safe, but we are neutral. Show me an individual or a congregation committed to spiritual progress with the Lord and I will show you where the strong and immediate defiance of the devil is. What we're talking about, what I'm going to be preaching about is going to be resisted. I just want to get this thing on a level footing here. It's going to be resisted. Friends, because it is all good and well for people to get saved. Listen, we can preach nice messages and we can say who wants to give their lives to Jesus? Who wants to submit their lives? And many people get saved and we can tap ourselves on the back and say that is awesome. 
But if we do not help those people to get out of their grave clothes, they will stay enslaved and they will stay neutral and they will stay missing their heritage and their inheritance that God destined them to have. I'm a whole pizza type person. Okay, I, I just, I eat my own food. Alright, I don't share my pizza, it's mine. Alright? And I feel the same way about God's calling for my life. It's mine. And God has got a whole pizza for you, my friend. God has got a whole calling for you. There's people in the city that is waiting for you to stand up and say, God, use me. And you will become the answer to their prayer. God will graciously use you to touch their lives. I honor Elmira Vashia Yishie. He looks prophetic with that beard. All right? But, you know, just as we were planning for this year, he just said, God spoke to me. We need to go out and we need to engage with people. Friends, and as, we were, as, as I was driving to Ilanga yesterday, I just said to God, God, why am I doing this? Is this obedience? Is this work? Is this because I'm a pastor? Because I work for the church? I must be nice. I'm paid to be nice. You guys are good for nothing. All right? I'm kidding. I'm missing. All right? So I'm, I'm driving to Ilanga and I just said to God one thing and it really clicked for me. I just said to God, God, if you love these people, help me to love them today. Just lifted the pressure. It's a simple prayer. And as we speak about servanthood, it's the same motivation. Why am I preaching to you? Is it because I want to get you to do what I want you to do? Or is it because I want to love you? Remember what A.W. Tozer said. It's all good and well for you to get saved. It's all good and well for you to say, Jesus, take my life. But God's plan for you does not stop there. It actually starts there. Because then Jesus looked at this Lazarus. It comes out of the grave. Now, I can give you all the science behind it. He was wrapped with fresh grave clothes. Fresh. I don't know if you've ever tried to tear a, to tear a, a verband. What do you call a verband? Bandage. Have you ever tried to, like, just this normal, simple verbankies that in the hospital Have you ever tried to just tear one of those? They're pretty strong. So Lazarus raised from the dead and he comes out of the grave. He literally hopped out of the grave. He couldn't walk. He was wrapped. Okay, it doesn't say lapis. Alright? Was lapis. Was lapis. He was, he was wrapped tight. Standing. And was he dead? No, he was alive. He was saved. But wrapped. So he was dead and then he was defeated. Because at that moment the devil can do with you what he wants to do with you if you don't grow into maturity. And then Jesus sends his disciples to this man that's wrapped like this. And he said to them, go take off the bandages. And all of a sudden, a different man, Vic, walks into my life and he says, listen here, let me loosen this one up. I'll take this one. Juan, Almero, Mila, Linda, go down the, go, go through this, this crowd. And as, as Lazarus allowed the disciples to, to, to loosen the bandages around him, he started being able to move around and in the next chapter, you see that the Pharisees wanted to kill Lazarus because he was leading so many Pharisees to become worshippers of Jesus. Friends, that's your heritage. That is our heritage as a church. If you walk, if you walk out this church, you look at this city. And I tell you, you look at a people that need to know Jesus loves them. And you find a way of telling them Jesus loves them. I don't care how clumsy you feel. I don't care how intimidated you are. You don't. You are not called to become an evangelist, but you are called to be a witness of Christ. 
Because what God does here will be a story for someone else there that will give them hope that they might actually reach out to Jesus. Amazing grace. Lazarus was dead, then defeated, then he was discipled, and then he became dangerous. God destined you to live a dangerous life. I want to show you out of the lives of three people in the Bible, I want to go Old Testament, New Testament, New Testament. All right. And I want to show you the power of serving and the priority that God places on that and how it affects people's hearts when they understand that service is worship. Service is not obedience. And then we want to call you, we want to ask you, if this is your church, if you know God has placed you in this church, friends, we are busy with spiritual family. Some of you guys are considering whether this is the church that you should come to. But I want to say to you, if this is your church, the culture we're building is where we all serve together. We all make sure, man, the church is ready and you're going to see what incredible things the Bible teaches us about it. So, 1 Samuel 17, verse 17 to 18, 32 and, and, uh, verse 32 and verse 45. I've kind of paraphrased and I, for the sake of time, take, took some of the scriptures out, but you can read it at home. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread to your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. So David's dad comes to him and he says, serve. He says, carry your cheese. Grab a cheese and carry it, dude. And yeah, you cast on the arm and a brood on the arm and there you go, man. And David, the little boy who's left his sheep in the care of other shepherds. Listen, you can study this man's life. He was faithful with the little things. Even though he was anointed as king over Israel, he was faithful with looking after sheep. And God says, carry your cheese, Dave. Or his dad says, carry your cheese. And David said, okay, if, if dad says, carry my cheese, here we go. I'll carry my cheese well. And he walks off. And little did he know that the key to him stepping into his destiny was carrying a cheese and loaves of bread. In the, in the morning when he woke up, the only thing that was ahead of him was carrying a few breads and cheese. In the morning when you woke up, the only thing that was in front of you was just putting out a few chairs and making that the rows, making sure that the rows are nice and neat. Because excellence is actually important. Little did you know that you getting into your car this morning, driving to church, where you could have just slept in and take it easy this morning, can be defining to the rest of your life and your calling and your destiny. I honor you for that. I honor you for the little things. Because you're just carrying your cheese, but you don't know what God's going to do. You've got no idea what God's going to do. Now he's carrying his cheese. And he's walking up. I don't know if he walked like that, but he walked. And then he got and he heard and he saw Goliath. And he had his encounter. And I'm not going to elaborate too much on the story. But then verse 32, David said to Saul, The man who was supposed to be the servant and the weak one, speaks to the strong one. And he calls out faith in him. David said to Saul, Saul is the big cheese. Okay? And David is carrying little cheeses. And he's looking at Saul and he's saying to him, Let no one's heart lose, or let, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. 
And then verse 45, David said to the Philistines, you come, to the Philistine, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, and I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord as a servant of men. Is it not interesting? Is it not interesting that his heart's um, position, his heart understanding was, I'm a servant. And as a servant in amongst people, my servanthood will reflect that I'm a son of God. And in that, David entered into his destiny and he won freedom for God's people. Why is servanthood so important? Because God will in that moment where you say, God, I am just a servant. You, you, you judge others higher than yourself. You give them priority over yourself. In that moment, God unlocks your personal destiny. And He unlocks the grace and the people that He has for you to reach around you. Your servanthood reflects God to the people around you. And it makes you whole. Started with him carrying his cheese. He was a son of God. He was a servant of men. And he was a savior of a nation. We know the story of David, friends. I can unpack. I can give you multiple sermons on David's life. I can even say to you that he was so faithful in serving. That when he was going on his way to speak to Saul. That he left his cheese and bread in the care of stewards. He didn't just put it down and say, hey, I need to go speak to the king. I'm important. He left it in the care of people. Friends, when we serve, the little things matter. The little things matter. Excellence matter. And God loves that. Three things about David. David, he was faithful with the little. His heart measure of himself before Saul was, I'm just a servant. And I, and I will walk in the name of the Lord God. Friends, when we talk about servitude, when we talk about I serve, it is really calling you to a place that is challenging because you are bandaged. You got saved. You might have submitted your life to Jesus Christ. But now as you expose yourself to people around you, as you hang out with, listen, Emil, I can give you, George, I can give you names. If you hang out with these people, they're going to start messing with those lappies that's keeping you in place. And I don't know if you've ever experienced having a wound and it's bandaged. And you gebruik a lekker elastoplast plasters. You know, those plasters that doesn't let go. Alright. And you take that plaster and you rip it off. And it hurts. It's like waxing your arm. If you like, very like a gorilla. It's not lacquer. Alright. But then you rip off that bandage. And then you allow Milo to come look at that. And he says, listen Mike, I'm going to put a new bandage off. And then Yandri comes and he rips it off again. And... And after two or three or five just moments of that bandage being ripped off, all of a sudden you have a scar. And you know what a scar does? Is it testifies of God's healing. A scar testifies of healing. An open wound doesn't. Friends, it's so healthy for us to walk together and to walk with people that says, come serve with me. Almero, hey guys, 10.30, we'll see you at Elanga Mall. Love that, man. I love that. Because he's ripping away at my comforts. Justice, was justice. Was it comfortable to come to Ilanga? Not at all. <laughs> it wasn't comfortable. 
But someone heard that Jesus loved them. And I don't know what God will do with that seed, but God promises that that seed will not return void. And I will go through that discomfort again for the sake of that person knowing that God loves them. And I will go through the discomfort of, of challenging you, of speaking about stuff that I know not many people want to listen to. And I will confront you and I will tug at that elastoplast and I will tug at that, that, that bandage that's around you. Because God destined you to be free, not just to be alive and bound. Friends, in servanthood makes you free, it makes you strong. Friends, if you're considering whether this is your church, this is the culture that we're building. David, this same young man, later in his ministry, he messed up badly and God said to him, this is the solution, you will make me an offering on Aruana's field and you will buy the field or you will take the field and you will build an altar and you will make a sacrifice there. And this man to whose field he went was so humble, he came to Dave and he said to Dave, David, listen, just take it for free. You are the king, I love you, I honor you, my stuff is your stuff anyway. And David looked at this Aruana and he said to him, listen, I will not offer anything to the Lord that cost me nothing. I will buy this from you. That is worship. When we serve, friends, it will cost you. But you will find life beyond that. That is so much more than what you've ever imagined. I want to I, I live amongst the people. We want to build a church where the smallest thing is important. Where if someone says to you, will you go see if there's toilet paper in the toilets? I heard that phrase this morning as I walked into the foyer there. <laughs> Will you go check if there's toilet paper? You're just like, man, this is worship. Walking into the toilets, ah, toilets there. Toilets paper, okay, no one's taking the toilet. <laughs> toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm renovating. Okay, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm taking this toilet. <laughs> just go check if the toilet's there. All right. Just go check if there's toilet paper. And as you walk in there and someone, no one asked you whether the toilets are clean, and you see, man, yeah, this is a bit messy. The next thing you just see someone walking with a mop and he's mopping the toilets. That's a culture worth having. Because in that moment while you mop that toilet, you might not get the applause of men because no one has seen. But someone is having a looking. And he says, thanks, my boy. Because that person that's coming to church will not come back to this church if he walks into a toilet that's dirty. And that person comes, he uses the toilet. And he's like, okay, cool. Goes into church, he sits. Maybe he comes the second time, the third time, and the fourth time he gets saved because the toilet was clean. And we think the sermon is so important. It's been proven. The two greatest things in church that makes churches grow is clean toilets and a good kids' ministry. Proven. Clean toilets and a good kids' ministry. Worldwide. So when you clean the toilets, you are creating an environment where people might, might encounter the Lord. And they might bow their knee and they might say, Jesus, will you, will you save me, but will you also unbandage me? Will you make me free? Because friends, that's the type of life that God calls us to live. Let's look at Paul in the New Testament. Because if it's not in the New Testament, people don't believe it, often. Okay. Corinthians 4 verse 1 to 5. I'm going to paraphrase. I'm not going to read all the scriptures. You can read it at home. But this is what Paul writes about himself. This is how one should regard me. How 
how one should regard us. Okay, you know what? Let's me, let me just do this. Can I give you truth about servanthood? Paul says, this is how one should regard us, not me. So servanthood in the context of community is healthy. Paul is saying, if you want to, if you want to understand my heart, judge us together because us is serving. And then he goes on to say, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Paul says, listen, if you look at me, judge me as a servant and a steward. I'm going to elaborate now. Moreover, it is required of a steward that they should be found faithful. It's again, that little thing, excellence. That little thing about leave, leaving your cheese with a steward, not just on the ground. Leaving your sheep with other shepherds. And then he goes on to say, the Lord will bring to light and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from the Lord. And we ask you to serve, friends. We are not asking you to serve to be seen. We ask you to serve because there's one from heaven that's looking. And he's applauding you. And servanthood looks differently. I'm going to explain that now. Saul the dominator became, became Paul the servant. Saul, a slave to anger, self-definition, power, self-importance. He was a Pharisee. That's what the Pharisees lived for. Became a steward and a servant of God and people. And eventually he gave his life to people. And he gave his life for the right reason because he wanted to honor God. Because he says at the end of that scripture, he says, The Lord will bring to light and disclose the purposes of the heart. I don't know if you've seen the, the movie Paul, the Apostle of Christ. You've seen the movie. Do yourself a favor. It's brilliant. Last scene just broke me. Messed me up. Here you have this man that says, listen, let me be a servant of man. Let me be a servant. And then he goes on and he's speaking on Revelation. And he says, because God will judge. God will judge this. And that last scene, and I'm going to end off my sermon with this, and then I'm going to hand over to Luan. Is Paul, in this movie, Paul dies... And they so brilliantly portrays his entrance into heaven. And as Paul enters into heaven, he walks and he encounters people that he led to Christ in his lifetime. Some of the people that has passed away and some of the people that was killed before him. Because they're just believers of Christ. And he walks and he's so excited in heaven to see these people. Man, Yanri's here, Elmiro's here, Mila's here, Danel. I can go through the list. But you can see Paul as he walks through this crowd. He's, he's almost like, man, I'm so glad to see you. But he was just focused. And then that last scene as he walks over that hill, you see Jesus walking. You just see they did it so well. And you, and you saw that face, Paul's face, just like, this is what I lived for. This is, you guys that's around me, this guy, that's who I told you about. Paul was lost in Christ because Christ is enough for us. Let not your servanthood be to be seen by men. Let not you think that you're doing God a favor when you say, I will serve on the power team and I will pitch up once every third week early, 7 o'clock, and get your 7 o'clock on time because it's excellence. Okay? Let not one of us think 
that that is doing God a favor. It's simply worship. Let me give you a scripture to back that up. If you know me well, you know where I'm going. Two things about servants. Servants understand the gospel. I'm going to give this to you. It's going to take me two minutes. Servants understand that they were served. If you understand religion, church will be work for you. If you understand the gospel, church will be worship to you. Servants understand that they were served by the gospel. They were served by the Lord, the King of Kings. The Lord of heaven and earth that we sang about served you. And now your service is just a response to what he did. That's the one thing. Servanthood is part of worship. I'm not going to go to that slide. It's quite complicated. But you will see that the Bible gives three words that defines worship. Proscunio is one. talks about when you encounter God. When you see God, what will you do is you will fall on your face and you will worship. That is the action of worshiping God when He materializes in front of you. All of us will proscunii in heaven when we get there. I don't even know how to pronounce it, but you will do it. Alright? When you see Jesus face to face, that is what proscunii means. Is your response to Jesus pitching up. The second word is latreia. That's a public action. That is let us action. So do not tell me that you're worshipping Jesus, but you are never with us. That's why church is important, friends. That's why the gathering of the saints is important. Because you cannot worship God fully if you avoid this. Right. And then the last word is homologia. It's the corporate expression of worship. And this is where ISERF comes in. It's homologia, speaking the same words. And sometimes you don't even have to speak the words. You're working with the same focus. When I see Luan here, when I see Justice here, when I see George packing out chairs and carrying around desks, when I see Mila just pitching up early, getting ready for prayer, that's homologia. Because why are we here? We are saying with one voice, God is worthy to be worshipped. God is worthy to be worshipped. Let God be seen through what's happening here. Friends, because the purpose of worship, if we understand it, it is to, first and foremost, be worship unto God. And secondly, it is to reflect God to a dying world. That is what service does. It worships God. That should be enough. And then God, by His grace, comes with us with His Spirit. And when we walk around... Uh, Ilanga, when someone packs out chairs, when someone, I don't know who made the coffee this morning, to worship. Friends, that's why we do I serve. That's why we're a church that commits to, if you, are, if you know God placed you in this church, we are going to build this culture because it's worship unto God and we will not give God worship that is cheap. Every one of us will worship together. We will homologia together. Because in that, God is lifted up and the world sees His glory.